Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Andrea Morrison. Andrea is a literary agent at Writer's House, and we are very excited to have Andrea on the show. Andrea, what's going on? Not too much. I'm, I'm happy to be talking to you both, and yeah, I'm thrilled to, be, to have been invited, and uh, I'm excited to tell everyone a little bit about what being a literary agent is like and uh, what a literary agent is. Tell us, I know that literary uh, agencies are mostly based in New York City. Are you based in New York City? I am not. Writer's House is, and I was at our main office for five years, but I'm on the West Coast again, which is where I'm originally from. So there are a few of us who, who are out here on the West Coast. Were you in New York at one point and then moved back? or I was, yeah. Okay. I was in New York for five years. So I was based out of our main office there, and then uh, it's been almost two years since I've been back. Are most of your clients based in New York? Is there a challenge at all being remote, so to speak? No, I mean my clients are everywhere. I've got I do have a good amount of clients in New York, but I do have a good amount of clients in California as well, and I have clients all over the world. So there's some people that I've had the pleasure of meeting multiple times, and others I've been working with for even longer that I haven't met. And so really, most of what we do is over the phone, via email. And then I do go to New York a few times a year um, and also got to know so many editors when I was living there that really it, it's not as different. It's just that more of my meetings are kind of packed into a certain amount of days versus spread out. Before we get into what you do, can you walk us through how you got to this point? Have you always wanted to be an agent? How did you get into this business? Yeah. So I started to intern for Stephen Malk, who's in our California office, when I was an undergrad at UC San Diego. I was a writing major, and I was looking for careers that related to writing. I really loved interning with him. And at the same time, I was writing myself, and I was wondering if I wanted to be a professor. And so I was applying to MFA programs, and I ended up moving to New York and getting my MFA in fiction from Columbia. And I really, really loved the program, but at the same time, I was also interning at the main office in New York. And I realized that I was kind of spending my time and really loving editing other people's work a little bit more than I was actually working on my own project. <laughs> um, and so it kind of became clear that publishing was the route for me, and I really loved the mixture of creative work and business that's involved at an agency. And so when a an assistant position opened up at Writer's House. I happily took it, and and I've been there ever since. So that was kind of my path. I finished the program, and I loved it, but I really, really felt like publishing was for me and loved being at Writer's House, not an agency, and that was kind of it. So as far as our themes for our episodes, sometimes we talk to all sorts of writers, from comic writers to TV writers. We've also been mm -hmm. interviewing a lot of editors lately, as well as agents. We're really excited to get your take on what it means to be an agent, as well mm -hmm. as some advice for some writers. So are you cool with schooling us on what it means to be an agent? 
Sure. So an agent should basically be a partner throughout your career. So it's somebody who is going to advise you to do editorial work with you first and foremost before your project even goes on submission. And then to sort of be with you through every process of your career from book sale to book publication to next book and so on. And so really, you know, it's a creative partner, a business partner, also somebody who is going to be handling the business elements of your career so you can keep your relationship with your editor more creative. So we're there to ask all those questions that you might not want to ask and to sort of help you with every aspect of your career. So it's very important when you're choosing an agent to take your time and really make sure that you've got to fit both editorially on a personal level and that you really do connect because this is somebody who, you know, even if you move publishers, who's going to be ideally on your team for the long haul. And what makes you different from other agents? Do you represent a specific type of writer or genre? So I do both children's and adult, which is really cool. And I love doing both. So on the children's side, everything from authors, illustrators of picture books to authors of young adult. And then on the adult side, I do a little bit of narrative nonfiction, but more so I work with authors of literary fiction. And so I think what's fun about that also is that writers don't just write children's books or they don't just write adult books. Um, Sometimes there are people who are overlapping as well. And so it's, I think it's nice to have an agent who works with both authors and illustrators of adult books and children's books. So if there are writers who are doing a variety of work, you've got somebody who's familiar with and handling all of those different genres. For those uh, aspiring agents out there, what skills would you say make for a good agent? What are the qualities that you possess that have led to your success to this point? So starting at the beginning, I think you've really got to be a big reader in order to become an agent and to know what's really working. So you want to be reading the books that are on the New York Times bestseller list that are winning the awards. You want to make sure that you know what's really working so you can also identify in potential manuscripts what's really working and what has potential. So that's kind of the first step. I think, you know, in this day and age, in order for editors to acquire debuts, especially, the projects need to feel really filled out and edited on a macro level. And so I think that having editorial skills taking time on the front end before submission is really key. And then beyond that, you want to be a good listener. You know, our job is really working with people. So most of our reading happens not during the workday. Most of what we're doing during the workday is talking to editors, talking to clients. And I think, you know, you really want to be a partner for the authors that you're working with. So going into it, I think knowing that and feeling like you're really interested in doing that is is, uh, kind of the most important thing to know. Let's walk through the query letter process. Obviously, for a lot of the writers out there listening, that's a big part of what they want to learn about. So Mm -hmm. can you walk us on a high level what that query letter process looks like? And then we can kind of dive into those details. Sure. So, you know, I think just in terms of what people should be focusing on and creating their query letters, there's so many online resources out there. And I think what you really want to be doing is looking at everything through Google that you possibly can, first and foremost. 
you want to keep them short and sweet. So I would say three quarters of a page is perfect. What you want to include is why you chose to reach out to that particular agent. That personal note always stands out more. And then you want to be focusing on paragraph pitch of what your book is, and then also include a bio. So that can be, it doesn't matter if you haven't had short, uh, short stories published or, or previous books published. Really what you want to be including is any information that tells us about your writing background. So that could be any conferences you've attended. It could be any prizes you've won. It could be sort of any groups that you're a part of, like SDBWI for Children's, for example. So you just want to tell us as much information as possible about your book and about you and why you chose to reach out to that agent. Would you say, based on uh, the advice that you just gave us on the formatting, is there, a, is there one secret to writing a good query letter? Is there one thing you would suggest that writers do right? Uh, and then is there one thing that maybe writers should not do when they query? Yeah, I mean, there's not one way to format it. There's not kind of one secret. I would just say you just want to be straightforward. And as long as you include all that information, I think that's perfect. So in terms of something that you shouldn't do, I think sometimes people try to get a little bit too creative in order to make their query letters stand out. So for example, sometimes people will try to write from the perspective of a character in their book, but that's really not necessary. What we just want to know is who you, the author, are and what your book is about. So I think the trick is there's no need to sort of go above and beyond to be extra creative, thinking that it'll make it stand out more than the other queries in our inbox. I think most of us really try to read the queries in our inbox. We're, of course, busy. Sometimes we're behind. But we need authors. So ultimately, we need you. And we we definitely are trying to look for projects. And so I think that sometimes less is more. Can a query letter be too personalized? Where do you draw the line from a writer's perspective as far as looking into you, finding out what you're looking for, but also maybe not being creepy? Yeah, yeah, it could be too <laughs> personalized. I think, I think that's the key. Um, if you are starting to look at people's personal pictures that you found online <laughs> and commenting on those, that's too far. Really, when we say personalized query letters, what we mean is, let's say, you know, if you do a quick Google of Andrea Morrison at Writer's House and you're reading uh, an interview that I did and you reference, you know, you said in this interview with Slice Magazine a couple of years ago, XYZ, and that, that really stood out to me. And I feel like you would be a great match for my book. So something like that is great. Something that shows that you did your research. Or I noticed on your publisher's marketplace profile, blank. So that is perfect. And it shows that you looked at the other agents at our agency or looked at other agents elsewhere and made a decision about who you wanted to query and why. That's what we're looking for. But anything that gets like too personal and that you'd really have to hunt to find is is too much. <laughs> you mentioned publishers marketplace. What are the top three to five resources you would say that are integral to a writer preparing uh, as they're going into the query letter process? Well, yeah, publishers marketplace is great. So you do have to subscribe, but I would say if you are going to be querying and you wanted to subscribe for a month while you're doing that, I do think that it's valuable. You know, not every deal that we make is going to be posted on there, but generally a lot of people's deals are. And so you can get a sense of the kinds of books that they've sold before. 
You can also look at, and you don't have to describe to see the descriptions that we post. So you can see my page just through Google, and that'll give you a sense of the kind of books that I like, that I want to read, the books that I've worked on. So that is really valuable to look at. And then the second thing would be agency websites. So it sounds simple, but there's a lot of information that's available there. There's a lot of information if you're deciding which agent at an agency to approach. Also, you'll get a sense of, you know, some agencies, for example, at ours, if you ferry somebody and then you get a pass from one agent, you can go ahead and query another agent at Writer's House. Other agencies are, if you query somebody and it's a pass, it's a pass for the agency. So there are different guidelines for everybody. And you can find that on websites and, and just sort of going through in depth is very, very helpful. And then the third thing I would say is looking at acknowledgement sections in books that feel like they're in the same family as your own. So that's a really good way to see who people are thinking, who the agents are. Are there certain repeat names that you're seeing? That's very valuable as well. And then another resource would be like, again, looking at author interviews from authors that you love and that feel like you know, your book is in the family as the, as the same family as theirs and looking at their experiences with their agents, their experiences going into submissions and all of that. So that would be another thing. And then I would say for the fifth, if there's anybody that you've met at a reading, at a conference, in a writer's group, so any kind of like personal connection that you have to somebody or if you have other authors who are friends and can talk to them about their experiences that's really helpful too. And if that doesn't apply to you and you don't have friends who are, who are published authors or who have agents, that's totally okay. And going back to those first four areas is completely fine. There are some times I imagine that a query letter really wows you. Mm -hmm. What do you think, is there one correlation between those type of letters that you think elicits that response? Yeah. I mean, I think that I think that it's when all of those items that I mentioned previously are really thought well thought out and done super well. So when we've got that personal note, I think a really great way to figure out how to write, you know, your short pitch of your book is to read a lot of jacket copy on published books. So I think just going through how flap copy is written, how it sounds, and then trying to do that for your book, it's just the perfect practice for how how to compose that small paragraph that you're going to be sending to us. So I think practice doing that. And then, and then beyond the bio, one thing I didn't mention earlier that I should say too is there's always the question of comp titles. So if possible, if you can think of two other books that have been successful, that were well-known, that feel like a great comparison to yours, if you can add those in, that's great. Because when we hear the right comp titles, we think, ooh, this sounds great. Having said that, it's better to have no comp titles than to have the wrong comp titles. Because if I start to read sample pages, and I've just heard that comp titles are X and Y, but the book doesn't feel like that at all, then that's going to stand out. And the other thing is you don't want to use comp titles. Like, for example, you don't want to use Harry Potter or Twilight, because those are so huge that they're just unless the book really is the next Harry Potter, it's just a little much. But you want to pick books that were successful, that are recognizable, but that really feel true to your own. 
But a lot of people do ask, you know, I can't find the right comp titles. And again, if they're not coming to you, if they are great, but if they're not, it's not the end of the world. It's better to kind of not include them. You mentioned which comp titles to maybe not mention. What about trends? What about the types of genres that or books that are working right now that you see trending, but that might not be the best ideas given if a writer is working on it right now by the time they fall out of trend? You know, I think that I don't, I don't want to say because that's the thing with trends is like they go in and out. So I think the thing is by the time something's ready for submission, even if someone's querying me, if I love the book, then I'm willing to kind of not think about trends. I think if I love the writing, if I love the concept and characters, like let's say a client and I are editing together, we might be editing together for a month and then a book might be ready to go. Or we might be editing for two years before a book is ready to go on submission. And in two years, there might be a completely different trend going on. So, and the thing is, from the time the book is sold to the time the book is published, you know, that's on average another two years. And so I think that the most important thing is to write what you want to write and to write the story that you need to tell. You definitely don't want to write to trends because in a couple years, that may not be the trend. I think the biggest thing though, but I don't think you should be worried about them because if you're writing the book that you want to write, then, you know, that's the most important thing to focus on. And I think as long as that's the best book it can be, that's all you can do. At what point or at what stage should a manuscript be at when a writer is ready to write a query letter to you? So, you know, when you're ready to query because you don't know what else to do with the manuscript on your own and you're ready for feedback from somebody else. So I think if you know that more work needs to be done and you can identify what those edits are, then you should still take another pass at the manuscript before you send it to agents. If you do have a group of other writers, I think you should send it to them first and then see if everybody feels strongly that an edit needs to be made. You know, then you should think about taking another pass at it. But if you feel like, you know, I've, I've shared this with readers, I've worked on this, for a long time. I don't know what else to do myself. I feel like this is in really good shape and I need other eyes on it. That's when you know you're ready. Do you ever, I mean, obviously writers write query letters to you. Do you ever approach authors maybe that you see that you're interested in that have maybe books that people are talking about? I do. So sometimes it'll be, you know, most often I think because I'll read short stories on different platforms online or in journals Sometimes it'll be through Twitter. Like these days, there's so many great uh, pitch events, which are really wonderful for bringing authors and agents together. I think that's, that's really fantastic. And then sometimes I'll read an article that really stands out and feel like there's a book there. And maybe it's something that someone started to write, and maybe it's not. Maybe it's an idea, and they're thinking about writing something in the future. So yeah, we approach authors in in all sorts of different situations. And, and then some projects have come through queries or referrals as well. Walk us through what it's like when you decide to work with a writer. What does that first call look like? And then what are those next steps? Mm-hmm. So usually, so let's say I've read something that comes through queries. So once I receive the query, I'll say, this sounds really intriguing. I would love to read the full manuscript. And then once I've read the full manuscript, and let's say I love it, I really would love to work with this person, 
then usually we'll hop on the phone. And so on that call, we'll talk about the manuscript itself, what I loved about it, any edits that I might have, um, sort of on a more on a more macro level, we'll kind of talk through points, make sure we feel like we're on the same page with those edits. If it turns out, you know, we're not thinking the same way about what needs to be done in order to take the manuscript to the next level or, or what needs to be done before submission, then that's really good to know because you do want to make sure that everybody feels in line. And then assuming that we are on the same page, we'll talk a little bit about Writer's House, about how I work with clients, about my experience. And then we'll talk about the author, their experiences. I love to know what inspired them to write the book, how long they've been writing, have they written other books beforehand. So we, we just get to know each other. We talk about what that author is looking for in an agent. Have they worked with an agent before? And what are their hopes for their book? What are their hopes for their career? So we talk about all of those things and really make sure that we feel like we're on the same page. And then you know, from there, I might be writing them an editorial letter. And then we have an agency agreement that we have clients sign. I know every agent, every agency is a little bit different, but if we're officially moving forward, then, you know, they have, they ask any questions they have about that. And uh, we officially sign up together should all go smoothly. So then from there, you know, we go through the edits that we discussed. So again, sometimes that could be like a one month process, a six month process. It could be a couple of years, every case is very different and every case is great. You know, I think there's no rush to send something out to editors. It really should feel like it's right before we submit it. And, you know, you want to make sure that, especially for a debut, that you're sending something the strongest it could possibly be. And so once something is ready to go on submission, then I'll come up with a submission list of editors. I'll share that with the client. We'll talk about the editors and why I selected them or any editors that they might have met in the past and talk about that list. And then I'll go ahead and submit the project to the editors. So we write a pitch letter, attach the material. Sometimes we'll do calls to the editors. Sometimes we'll send everything via email, sometimes a bit of both. And then, you know, from there, you hope that the book finds a home and we'll work together after that. So that's kind of like the basic process. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writerexperience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writerexperience for your free audiobook. The Flickering Myth Podcast is a source for all of the weekly entertainment news that we could possibly be bothered to talk about. Tune in every Tuesday for a roundtable discussion featuring a host of Flickering Myth writers and contributors. You can find us on all your favorite podcatchers as well as right here at flickeringmyth.com, part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Alan Christian. I'm Gerald James. And I'm Lacey Day. And we host the Four Color Film Podcast. What do we do at the Four Color Film Podcast, Gerald? We watch and dissect every comic book-based film. 
Lacey, do you still like being here? Yeah, it's really great. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, and wherever else they have good podcasts and podcasts like these. You sound like a kidnapping victim. (laughs) You can find us also on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network at flickeringmyth.com. Dot com along with other great shows. Check us out and check them out too. Thank you. Hell Zane. Hell Zane. Hell Zane. And when a writer is working with you to get that book to its best place, this is before the pitch letter, what are things that writers can do to work with you that's helpful? And what are some things that they probably should not do when they're working with you? I mean, mainly, so let's say I write an editorial letter and there are points that they totally agree with and other points that they don't feel like they know how to implement or that they don't feel are right for their book. So not everything that we suggest has to be implemented. I think that everything should really be an open conversation. Also, other things that they might want to do They should definitely reach out. We can hop on the phone. We can talk about what's going well, what's not going well. They can send back, you know, say, okay, I went through the first 50 pages and here's what I did. Can you let me know if I'm on the right track? That's better than trying to kind of do the whole thing, but then, you know, having it turn out that something's not quite working right. So basically the the main thing is just that it should be a continued conversation It doesn't mean that once the editorial letter is out or once we've had a call that we can't or shouldn't talk again until the manuscript is ready. It's actually the total opposite. And then how do you know when the manuscript itself is ready to submit to editors? Like at what point do you really feel, okay, this is ready to go? Yeah, so it's mainly when the macro level questions in the book feel like they've been answered. So for example, if you know, if I'm reading and there's something that doesn't make sense, like let's say there's a plot element that doesn't really feel plausible or there's like a plot hole, then then we should talk about that and try to figure out what the answer is before we submit it. Or let's say there's a story thread that doesn't feel resolved yet or or there's a magical element and we're not totally sure how it works or um, or how it connects to something else in the story, then we should try to figure that out first. If it feels like everything is flowing really well, like the pacing is great, the character development is right on, if it feels like the plot is really connecting in the right way, then it's good to go. And then the author is going to do more editing with the editor. But we just want to feel like in the same way that the author knows to query when it feels like, okay, we're not sure what else to do. I really feel like I've done everything I can with the manuscripts and I need to get other thoughts. That's how we want to feel too. Regarding uh, pitching to editors, how important is the Rolodex of editors that an agent has? It's really important. It's so important to know what editors are looking for, what they've bought in the past. It's incredibly important. And it's not to say that we don't meet new editors all the time. I think all agents do. Um, people move around, people, you know, leave editing and, and go do something else and come back to another house. Like there are always new people that we're meeting and people who, you know, were editorial assistants and then are beginning to acquire. 
So we're always getting to know new people as well, but then there are always those people that we've known for a long time. And they might move from house to house, but it is really vital to know what editors' tastes are like and, um, and what they're looking for. And you mentioned your pitch to editors. I would love to dive into that a little bit too. Obviously, it's like sure. the other side of the query letter. Um, how close is it to the query letter that you receive when you submit it to editors? Sometimes it can be really close and sometimes it can be wildly different. And I think, you know, if somebody, I think it can be close in the sense that really what we're doing with editors is like the same thing that writers are doing when they're pitching agents. So I think, especially if that flat copy feels like it's reeling somebody in in just the right way, you know, that's kind of what we're doing. So, and I think it depends also how much the book changes in editing. So if you know, most of the plot is kind of similar to what it was when, when we originally received that query letter, then it might be closer. And if a lot more has changed and if the book has shifted in a bigger way, then it might be more different. But again, like we're doing the same basic thing. We're giving editors that jacket copy pitch of the book. We're giving them who the author is. And we're essentially selling what that book is in the same way that editors are writing flop copy that is going to sell it to buyers. So you, you just really want to make sure that an editor wants to open that before they open all the rest of their submissions. So that's kind of like what we're going for. Would you say there's a secret to the pitches that you've sent out that have ended up getting taken to print? Honestly, no. I think, you know, you want to write a good pitch letter, definitely. But beyond that, I think the material really speaks for itself too. So, um, you know, a pitch can sound great, but if the book doesn't hold up, then it's not like somebody's going to go for it. And then, you know, you, you really want to make that pitch great. But I think at the end of the day, the material has to be something that somebody has a vision for. And then once a book gets a deal, what does that look like? What's that first call from the editor look like? Is it similar to when you call an author to work with them for the first time? Is it it's equally exciting for both you and the writer. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's so exciting for us and so exciting for the writer. In terms of how the deal can play out, it can play out in a lot of different ways. And a lot of that is dependent on, first of all, it only takes one interested house for the book to be published and a book can only have one publisher. So that's amazing if one person is interested. But then if more people are interested, then it can turn into an auction situation where you're getting multiple offers as well. And that deal-making process looks a lot different. So there, there are just so many different ways that a sale can happen and a sale can play out. You know, sometimes there can be an offer that an editor puts in that's a preemptive offer to take it off the table too before any other offers come into play. So there, there are just multiple ways that the situation can play out. Or sometimes it's you know, there's not interest for a while. And then somebody comes in unexpectedly and makes an offer. And so there's just not one way that it generally works or that it can work. When a writer gets that deal, sometimes they'll, you know, make a little bit of money. Sometimes they'll make a little bit more. What is your advice for those writers who are, you know, trying to survive off this as their bread and butter? Well, I mean, so first of all, you, you know, you just have to write the best book that you possibly can. And I think the money part is difficult. You know, that's a little bit more out of your control. Sometimes it works, as you said, that you sell a book for X amount of dollars and sometimes it is a bit more. Um, I think that you have to know 
what you need financially in order to support yourself and whether, you know, this book can do that or whether you might need something else for the moment in order to support yourself a little bit too. Sometimes the book money can, can do the trick and sometimes it can't. And, you know, it is, it is trickier in the sense that you are getting payments. You know, it's not like it's a every other week salary. Your payment could be broken down to half on signing of the contract and half on delivery of the manuscript. It could be a third on signing, a third on delivery, and a third on publication. There's so many different ways that this could be broken out. And oftentimes you can't really determine exactly when those chunks of money will come either. So I think you just have to ask questions, know all the information that you possibly can, and then figure out what works for you. What is your involvement once the book goes into the publishing process or the process in which the author is working with the editor? Are you still involved? I know sometimes agents are more involved, less involved during this process. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you want to make sure that the author and the editor have a great relationship and that they can form their own relationship. I think that that is really important. And I think that, you know, you want them to have their own creative back and forth and for the editor to really be able to guide the process as well in that sense. That said, I always love to know what's happening. It's really exciting to see the book develop. I'm definitely always very happy uh, and interested in weighing in where I'm able. I would say I do... I am a little bit more hands-off in terms of editing once the book is with the editor, but I definitely participate in title decisions and covers and and all of that. So I would say I'm definitely very involved in that part of things and in sort of larger publicity conversations and calls and all of that. So I am generally looped in and and very involved and interested in being involved, but want to save some space for the author to really get to know and work with their publisher as well. When that writer is working with an editor regarding the notes they're receiving and the back and forth there, meeting the deadlines, and just in general, do you have any um, advice for writers during that process? And then also, is there any advice you'd say definitely do not do when you're working with an editor? Yeah, I mean, I think if there are any questions about delivery, what feels realistic, talk to your agent. That's why we're here. So we're here to be a resource, to be your advocate. And, you know, if if something feels like you need more time or like something isn't doable or you need help or something isn't working, please, please, please ask. Um, that's our job. So that's really, really important. I think you don't want to feel like, oh my gosh, this is the hard delivery date. I don't know if I can do this and then sort of stretch it out to the end without saying anything to anybody you know, we, we definitely will check in and ask questions, but, you know, on the other side of things, please let us know too. And then we can let your editor know and you and your editor can talk and everybody, I think just open communication is really the biggest thing. So I would say what not to do is don't feel like you can't talk to your agent and editor or like you can't ask if there are things that are bothering you. We all want this to be the best process it can be. And we all want the book to be the biggest success that it can be. We're all on the same team. So I think that's the biggest thing to know. At what point um, do you know that a book is ready for publishing? Yeah, I mean, so again, that's really going to be between the editor and the author too. And I think that's an area where I want them to feel like they're really having kind of the the key back and forth in that relationship. And, And the editor will really be the one to say, 
this is good to go. As far as titles, you mentioned briefly, what's your Mm -hmm. involvement in the title uh, itself? And when do you have to make that decision? Sure. Well, sometimes the book that we submit, sometimes the title will be the same title all the way through. So the title that the author queried with, the title that we pitched with, and then the title that it's published with is the same thing. Sometimes the title will change before we pitch it to editors. And sometimes the title that it was queried with and that we pitched with will then be changed once the publisher buys it. So the goal with the title is that it feels like something that, you know, really sums up the book, that feels right for the book, that feels like it's going to stand out to buyers. And so before we take a book on submission, we'll try to think of titles that feel like the right fit. That said, if we need to submit a book with one title that we feel you know might not be the final title, that's okay. That's not going to stop the editor from buying the book. Um, so sometimes once the editor acquires the book and, and the author and the editor are working on edits, we'll all be brainstorming the editor and their team and then the agent and the writer of what new potential titles could be. And so usually that, that's us coming up with our own lists of maybe five to 10 phrases in the book, concepts that really stand out and that we think might be a match. And even if we're not coming up with something perfect, even just like words or phrases or ideas are really helpful because then they might prompt something for somebody else. So that's when we just all work together and brainstorm and try to come up with the right fit. And then the editor will bring that back to their team. Sometimes their team will have other ideas. And then we all land on something that we're comfortable and happy with. And what are the next steps after the book is published? A, when should a writer start working on their next book? And B, what is your long-term goal yourself after you release that book? So so writers should start working on their next book whenever they feel ready to start working on their next book. So sometimes people, even before... Sometimes even when people are querying me, they have a next book in process, even before the first book is done or before the first book has a home. Other times people have one book that they've been focusing on for a really long time, but then maybe the book finds a home and while they're waiting for the editor to work on an editorial letter, they start to work on book two. Um, So they have something to be working on. Sometimes it could be after they've finished the final manuscript for the editor Um, But before book one has published, then they're starting to work on book two. So it can happen all sorts of different ways. It, again, depends on the author, what's coming to them, what else they've been working on. There's no right, perfect answer or way to do it. Um, It just depends on that author. And then in terms of my goals, I mean, I think, again, that's where open communication comes in, really talking to clients about what their goals are. Sometimes somebody needs a little bit of distance after book one and needs to figure out what the right book two is. Sometimes the answer is right there. Um, Sometimes it's a two-book contract, and then that's a slightly different situation too. So my goal is really to make sure that the author feels supported and to help in any way possible. So whether that's, you know, seeing a list of potential ideas, helping them figure out which book should be book two. Sometimes that's taking a look at some early pages of the potential book too, helping them figure out whether things are working so far, what plot holes need to be figured out, helping from an earlier stage than I was before. And yeah, I would say it's case by case, but just making sure that I'm there to support their next steps and goals. 
Are you ready for what we call a series of seemingly random questions? Sure. First one, you mentioned short stories earlier in regards to discovering authors. Do you have uh-huh. any suggestions, any tips, tricks on how to make the most compelling short story that's going to get the attention of an agent? Yeah, so I think you want a short story that really feels like it has that twist at the end or that meaning that somebody can really take away. I think, you know, the writing's got to be great, but I think sometimes you read a short story that's really beautifully written, but you're just kind of like waiting for that punchline or like, what should the reader leave with? And so I think you really want to leave the reader with something and make sure that you're achieving that in that short piece. My next question, your Twitter bio says, would love to see your work, implying that you are open to submissions. Is that common for agents? Yeah, I mean, I do think, you know, there are a lot of agents on Twitter who are doing MSWL saying, you know, manuscript wish list. I would love to see a book that does this. Um, I would love to see a project that reminds me of, you know, such and such movie. I think a lot of us are doing that. And that's a great outlet for people to be sort of noting that they're open to queries in the same way that we do on our publishers, marketplace pages, or company websites. So sometimes there are people who are not taking on new clients or not taking on new clients for a month or two, but then might reopen to submissions later. Everyone has to do what works well for them. But yes, as I am open to queries, I think, you know, I'm happy to, to note that where I can. Is there anything writers should not do when it comes specifically regards to Twitter and social media, I assume they should not message you the plot of their book in the direct messages. Yes, that was going to be my first one. Actually. <laughs> yeah. So usually, I mean, I know on my Twitter, my submissions email address is on there. Also, most people have links to their websites or you know which agency they're at. So you can Google their agency website and figure out how to best submit queries. Um, So that's really how you want to submit queries. I think, you know, not only is that a difficult way for us to to read and respond, but honestly, if they show up there, they're probably going to get lost or they're more likely for me to get or to lose them. So, you know, in order to make sure that they are seen and that I know that they're in that query inbox, please do send them via email. Um, So that's really the main thing. And I think you know, most questions about queries too, if they can go to those query inboxes, that actually is much easier for me. I will say that while I'm on Twitter and I like Twitter, I'm not the best at Twitter and I'm not looking at it as much as I am looking at email. So I really do prefer that more specific questions come through there. And I think that that's kind of more helpful for everybody. Next question of all the writers who have ever lived, is there one writer that you wish you could have worked with? Also, where would you take them to uh, lunch if you had to choose a fast food restaurant? Oh my gosh, um, <laughs> this is this is so hard. <laughs> uh, I I honestly I don't I don't know that I have the right answer to this question, and I feel like I am going to go with something that many people have probably said before, <laughs> which. Which is, uh, I think if I had to choose, I might choose J.K. Rowling because I fell in love with the Harry Potter books as they started to come out. And they were very formative for me as they have been for so many. And if we were going to a fast food restaurant, as a native West Coaster, I would have to choose in and out Second to last question, if you could choose one piece of advice or learning from your entire career that you'd like to pass on to those uh, writers who are listening right now, what would it be? 
Well, I think the biggest thing to remember is as you're going through this query process, we don't have jobs without you. I know that it can be intimidating to reach out to people who have represented books that you love. And I know that it can be daunting to reach out to names that you've seen. Um, But really, we are here because we love books. Really, everybody I know at our agency and in the business is really passionate about books and about this business and being here. And so I think the most important thing to remember is that we work for you and that we don't have jobs without you and your wonderful books. And so, you know, you should really feel comfortable reaching out to those dream agents that you have on your list because um, we're looking for new work. And I think, you know, that person that you're really wanting to query, I'm sure they're out there and also looking for new projects. And, you know, even if they're not, maybe they have somebody who they really have in mind for your work. And so I think, remember that we are really dependent on the work that you're doing. How common is it for agents to refer writers to other agents? It, I mean, it is really common. I know within our agency, we definitely do it. Um, you know, sometimes I think just due to the volume of queries, it would be really hard to do it for everything. But certainly if I am looking at a project and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think this is really promising. I don't know that it's for me, but I can really see this for my colleague so-and-so. I will really try to say that. So sometimes I'll just say directly to the author, I don't know that this is a fit for me. Either I don't handle this genre or this subject just isn't quite hitting me the right way or something like that. But I'll say, you should really try my colleague so-and-so. Other times, maybe I'll show the query or the um, requested manuscript to a colleague directly and say, I feel like this might be up your alley. Is this something that you would want to see? And then if they say, oh, yes, I'm really interested in this, then what I might do is loop them together with the author and say, I didn't connect in the right way, or I don't know that I'm the perfect fit for this, but I took the liberty of sharing this with so-and-so, and and I'm not sure if you're open to them reading, but if so, they would really like to read. And usually that works well too. So, So yeah, we do try to do it when possible. But again, if I don't do it, but it does not mean that you shouldn't query somebody else at the agency, because just due to volume, we just can't, can't do it with everything. Last question. Drum roll, please. This is always the toughest question. Brace yourself. Okay. Opening the envelope. And the last question is, did you have fun today? Yes, I did. Um, Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Uh, This is the first podcast I've done, actually. So it was a lot of fun. Um, Yeah. And I really appreciated it. And for writers who are listening, I hope that this was helpful. I enjoyed speaking and good luck with this process. Thank you. And did you want to plug any projects or clients or even shout out your own Twitter handle, anything before you go? Yeah, well, I'm happy to shout out my own Twitter handle, which is at Andrea Agency. I would love to talk to anybody there or via email if you have any questions. In terms of specific projects, I I don't want to plug one or two because I have a lot of really right. lovely clients and I, I don't want to um, <laughs> miss others. So, um, But I do try to read sweet on Twitter. So definitely check out um, what I'm kind of posting and mentioning there. Amazing. Thank you, Andrea. We really appreciate your insights and your time and really thought this was a super uh, insightful and you know fun episode. Great. Well, thank you both so much. I, again, I really appreciate it. And we appreciate you. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. 
The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.